What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Year 3, episode 22 of Pat's Interference. It is showtime. You've got the big playoff games Monday night, Georgia and Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl at 5, and then you already know the game we're going to break down in this episode, Alabama taking on Clemson in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, 8.45 p.m. Eastern time. We've got a huge breakdown for you here, plus we're going to go over a little bit of the bowl season so far, but really our main focus is that rubber match, Alabama versus Clemson. You're not going to want to go anywhere. This is Pat's Interference. What is good, everybody? Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Pat's Interference. Back at it. Got to talk football and a whole lot more. Playoffs coming up. Lots of good bowl games as well. We got Peach Bowl, Cotton Bowl just ended here. We're sitting here on December 29th or 30th, depending on which Patrick you're talking to. 11.32 p.m. or 12.32 a.m. as we begin this podcast. Um, I'm Patrick Brickman alongside Patrick Norwood. Dude, how was your Christmas? It was good, man. It was good. Got to go back home. Hang out with the family a little bit. It was nice. The four of us never really get around. Uh, like, we're never together at the same time. I was back in Nashville uh, literally the week before my brother this summer, and then he was there two more times when I couldn't come back home. So it was nice to have the four of us together. He just took a job in Atlanta, so at least he's back uh, on this side of the Mason-Dixon line, which I know my family is From the very Big Apple to about. the Big Peach. Yes, exactly. To the Windy City, Atlanta, as I call it. Uh, I think I'm the only one who does call it that, though, and it's it's not a funny joke. But anyway, how was your Christmas? How it was, was it? good. Got back last night, took a tour around Alabama, went from Panama City to Dothan to Birmingham to Coleman, back to Birmingham, back to Dothan, back to Panama City, and um, just got back to work today, and now sure. I'm here, and this was the day we set aside to do this podcast. It was very good sure. to see. Um, we got to see both my family and my wife's family all in one. Well, that's uh, good. So it was, uh, that's that good. Was, very successful, very successful. So let me ask you, what are you doing on college football playoff eve? Oh, I'll be working. You'll be working. I'll be That's working. Yeah, my, uh, my reporter is now, she's on her Christmas break, which means I've got the next several days to myself at the station. I'll be um, kicking back New Year's Eve, getting ready for the game on New Year's Day. I will be setting aside everything I have to watch the game, even though I'm at work. Um, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it it should be a good one. It should be a good one. Let's let's talk about it a little bit. Let's just let's, it's kind of like getting in a very hot hot tub. All right, we're gonna we're gonna dip the toe first, then we're gonna ease one leg in, and then we're slowly gonna get in. All right, third year of Alabama versus Clemson, Sugar Bowl. All right, mixed reviews for Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. You'll remember two thousand eight Utah big loss. Two thousand ten, or excuse me, two thousand what was it? Thirteen. Yeah, 2013 Oklahoma, a worse loss in my opinion. Only one guy showed up to play, some guy named Derrick Henry. He played pretty well. Uh, however, 2011, you got the national championship. So, Brick, how do you feel about the Tide being back in New Orleans? I think that's an overdone trope that Alabama can't play in New Orleans. Obviously, we've won a national championship there. We don't – it's – hey, hey, kiddo. Uh, we oh got a goodness. cat. Yeah, We've we got did. a cat. Okay, Kittle's feeling a little lonely today, but that's All okay. Right. I just uh, we're doing a podcast. I'll pet you later, just, Kitty. Just in case anyone's questioning whether or not we do this live, it's a hundred percent live. This is a hundred percent live. Uh, could you hear the the cat through the the microphone there? We could. Uh, everybody could. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kittle came by to say that he heartily agrees with me. Um, Sugar Bowl trope a little a little overdone as far as uh, Alabama. You know, people are. I think it's a good thing that we're in the Sugar Bowl. I think yeah, Clemson I like uh, kind of got the shaft on that one. Uh, you know, they, they got the number one seed just to go essentially what is a road game to go play Alabama and New Orleans. So uh, I'm happy right. that they're in the Sugar Bowl. I'm excited. I'd much rather be in the Sugar Bowl than the Rose Bowl. So. Sure. I'm about to say something that I don't think you and I were expecting or you and I agree with. I think for this may be a Pats interference first where Alabama is a favorite. They're a three-point favorite in this game. But the part that's the first is you and I do not agree with Alabama being the favorite in this game. No, I think you have to go off of what we've last seen on the field. I mean, I understand reasons why Alabama might be favored, and I know that this is all tied in to money, but you know, going off the last two games that each team has played, not counting Mercer, um, you got Clemson destroying South Carolina and destroying Miami even worse, and we barely escaped Mississippi State and then lost by 12 to Auburn. You know, the way teams are playing right now, 
Clemson's playing at a much higher level. They've got a lot more momentum. Uh, they're peaking while Alabama's been in a steady decline since um, since the Tennessee game. Right. Counter-argument, though. It's been a month. It's been a month. Alabama's been able to get healthy, been able to sort of regroup, look at the film from the Auburn game, sort of see what they did wrong, what they can improve on. Clemson may have gotten into a lull a little bit, a little too comfortable, a little bit on their high horse because they're the one seed. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that are playing into this. Alabama, it's a revenge game. We all talk about how Nick Saban is great in revenge games, great in revenge games, always wants to get back out there and beat a team that's beat them, you know? So I, I think it's it's going to be a, a very uh, – it's, it's kind of a toss-up. I understand – I don't agree with the line right now. I, I understand why it happened. All right, it's Vegas. Things like that happen a lot, right? However, I do think there are a lot more interesting factors going into this matchup between these two teams than the two previous years. Man, it's going to – I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, obviously – it's tied one to one if we're talking about a three game series here. You know, Alabama's definitely looking for revenge and, and Clemson's looking to establish themselves as as the you know, the team in college football, two national championships in a row. They're the new di- you know, you know what I mean? They're the new dynasty. You right. know, nobody's knocked them off in two years now. So um obviously it's not gonna be an easy game for Alabama. Uh, on paper, I actually think that this game is a lot closer than last year's was going into the game. I agree. I agree. Last year, Alabama's defense, I mean, you wrote it down here, and it was something that I was obviously going to bring up. We were talking about it being among the all-time Alabama defenses, which it still should be considered that. It was ludicrous the things that team was doing week by week. Um, Talked about nationally, week by week. Uh, It's a shame that they didn't win the national championship because now I think they're not going to be remembered the way that they should be remembered. However... This year, the story is different. You've got Bama's offense, and how are they going to wind up against a great Clemson pass rush? So, what do you expect to see, and where is sort of the crux of this game as far as Bama's offense versus Clemson's defense? What it's, is the key factor? It's it's that it's that third it's that third down range against that front seven. I mean, that's that was the problem last year. That was the problem for Alabama against Auburn. You know, the the blueprint to Alabama used to just be. Um, have a fast quarterback and, and make Alabama's slow, lumbering defense struggle to contain them. Well, we got smaller on defense, not worse, just smaller, and we could keep up with quarterbacks, and that was no longer the case. We've actually done really well against scrambling quarterbacks the last two or three years. Now the blueprint is make us think we can't run, right? We can't run on their front seven. We couldn't run on Auburn's, in our coach's opinion. Um Last year, Clemson did a, a, a good job shutting down our run once Bo Scarborough went down. So make us think we can't do it. Force us to overuse Jalen Hurts, right? Make it, make us put the game on his shoulders. And then just wait for us to make the mistakes. Bad throws on third downs, fumbles, interceptions, you name it. Let us create the other team's momentum, which is what Clemson has really done very well this year. And, you know, that's, that's the blueprint. Now Alabama needs to find a way to buck that trend. Now, will they? I don't know. I don't know what has to happen in order to buck that trend. I think Alabama's got to win the war in the trenches on offense. I, I think if they control the line of scrimmage or even establish any resemblance of a run game, this game is a major toss-up, and it goes way in Alabama's favor. If they can establish a run game. I'm not asking Damian Harris or Bo Scarborough to go off and have 160-something yards. I'm not asking them to have 100 yards. Go out, get three or four yards a carry. Every single time you touch the ball, go out and get a hard-fought two or three yards, three or four yards. Maybe you break one off, you get 12. You know, Jalen Hurts cannot be the perennial running back in the Alabama offense if they want to win any more football games. I think that was completely revealed against Auburn. You can't have Hurts carrying it 18 times to Damian Harris six times. You can't have him carry six it times. three times more often than your best there running were, back. There were back-to-back games this year where Damian Harris's first touches were 70-plus yard touchdown runs, and yet he carried the ball six times against Auburn. Oh, he's among the most explosive running backs in the country. He might be number two behind Bryce Love at Stanford, who just finished you know, second in the Heisman race. So, yeah, he's got it. 
Alphonse Taylor on Twitter has been tweeting hashtag free the backs for the last two months now. I'm on board with that, man. And that's like not it. it's not going to be as simple, right? This It felt simple, but to be honest, this Clemson front seven is probably the best that Alabama was going to have faced since LSU in 2011, in my opinion. This is a nasty front seven with, with Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins and, and a bunch of really good linebackers all wearing, you know, bright Clemson orange and Earlier in the season, it seemed, okay, pretty obvious, just give it to the backs more, give it to the backs more, and I don't think that it's that simple in this game. I hate that it took us this long and we still haven't done it, but I don't think simply handing the ball off to the running backs in this game is going to be the difference. I think Clemson is way more versatile on defense to where that can't be our only adjustment. That can't be the only thing that changes with our offense. Right. I think uh, if you're an Alabama fan, you're listening to this right now, Here's something you need to know that you probably already do that should scare the daylights out of you. This Clemson team is better than the Auburn team that just handed our asses to us. Period. They're just flat better. Offensive side of the ball, better. Defensive side of the ball, much better. The only area where I think they fall a little bit to the wayside or where it goes a little bit in favor of Auburn is their running backs. I think Carrion Johnson is much better than any of Clemson's running backs. That, I'd say, in downfield passing. But they haven't had to pass downfield. They've been moving the they, ball just fine without sure. doing it. They don't need to. Yeah. So, it's uh, it, it's going to be an interesting contest. Let's hope it doesn't come down to special teams. Uh, let's hope Hunter Renfro doesn't have 80 more catches this season. Now, we'll be talking a lot more about him on this docket, let me tell you. Now, let me ask you. How many pick plays does Clemson run? <laughs> you know, I I would hope that the refs will be looking for that this year. The thing is, if they run one, do you call it and admit you made a mistake in the national championship, or you just kind of keep letting it slide? Okay, so here's a question, right? I know we've all heard complaints and stuff and, and talk and, and speculation and this and that and the other about quarterback position in Alabama. Um, everybody has an article to write or a tweet to, to tweet about it. But what happens if the Alabama offense struggles early? What happens if Alabama finds himself in a 10 nothing, 14 nothing hole early first quarter kind of game and the offense is yet to get a first down or sustain any kind of drive? Does a change ha- Do you think that there's any situation where a change in this game happens at quarterback? No. No. I'll be furious if there's a change. Why? Say we because get to the second quarter, it's 21 nothing, and we still don't have a first down. If Jalen Hurts has thrown three interceptions at that point, sure. Then maybe I consider it. But look back at both of Jalen Hurts' losses. Were both of those his fault? Oh, no. The last time Jalen Hurts held the ball in um, 2016, I guess it was 2017, but last year's national championship game, the last time he had the ball in his hands, uh, we were in the lead and he just took us to a go-ahead touchdown with two minutes left yeah and we pretty much thought we had it in the bag right because thought we had it in the bag and then Deshaun Watson came out and was Deshaun Watson let's let's not relive that but no but I don't know I I don't understand Brick it's it's happened every single year since you and I were in school it was AJ McCarron versus Philip Sims right then it was Blake Sims versus Jake Coker then Coker started to suck, right? And it's just we're constantly looking for the next guy, right? Well, constantly the looking saying for the is guy. the best quarterback in the world is the backup at Alabama. Yes, but I, I don't understand how people can realistically look at the career that Jalen Hurts has had, the things he's been able to do in crunch time, and say, oh, well, we got to take him out. And that's why I say if he's thrown three interceptions and we're down by three or four scores in the second quarter, then maybe. But it's not because – He's not a good leader, or he doesn't know the offense. or it's, These people who think that Tua is better make me want to scream. Where have you seen Tua? Mop-up in games, uh, Yes, in games against Vanderbilt and Mercer. Who cares? He was absent in the Auburn game. I think we lose worse if he is the quarterback in the Auburn game. Now, I'm not saying Tua is bad at all, or that he shouldn't challenge for the starting job next year. This is Jalen Hurts' team. Let him finish his job. Period. Yeah, well put. Well put. And I'm glad that you said that he can challenge for it next year. I think the 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 bulk of the complaints, since we do have to talk Jalen Hurts before this game, 
Um, because he he has had November struggles two years in a row now, late season struggles. He's you know he's a, he's a Heisman contender kind of guy when you're talking October, September, but he has you know kind of gone on a downward slope the last two years late in the season, and and I think the frustration comes from not utilizing, not being able to utilize the talent at receiver that we have uh, when. He missed a lot of open throws against Auburn. There were open receivers for days, and he would give up on the plate too early and start running. Um, I don't know if Tua misses those guys either. I just think that that's the frustration. And and like we said, the most uh, talented quarterback in the world is the backup at Alabama, and everybody has this idea that the backup will come in and be the savior. But um, let's not forget he's breaking records. He won SEC Offensive Player of the Year last year, and he's had a 25-2 and career as a starting quarterback at Alabama. I do think that if we go down early, the coaches might, but Alabama has not been in a 21-point deficit in uh, ooh, 10 years now. So, years. Years you know, it's years. it's been a decade, uh, maybe 12 years, so maybe not even since Saban's been there. So that's that. you're talking uncharted territory for an Alabama team. I just wanted to ask the question because... No, I, I'm glad you did because I've been seeing a lot of it. You see a lot of it. No, there is, and, and 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 listen, frustrations are real. You know, that's it's, there's real reasons to watch that Auburn game and watch that Jalen Hurts performance and and be frustrated. I was sure. frustrated with them. You know, I, I told you, I told you, I think that the quarterback competition does have to be open next year. Yeah, I agree. Here's the thing, though. I don't. <laughs> the play calling was such trash in the Auburn game. I can't blame the game on Jalen Hurts. I, I can. I know he messed open guys. I know he was tucking it and running it too quick. He had to be the guy because Brian Dable looked at him on the sidelines and said, hey, if we're going to win this, you've got to do it by yourself because I'm giving it to your running back six times. No, you and got that's, a point. that's not fair. That's not fair. To do to an offense like that, that's not fair. Alabama had one drive where they ran the ball consistently for a touchdown and took four minutes off the clock, and they never ran a drive like that again the rest of the game. I don't understand it. And if, if that identity and that mantra hasn't changed, I'm going to be furious. But here's a because, disclaimer I put, because I don't think our offense is bad. I don't think our offensive coordinator is necessarily bad. I think our offense is good. I think our coordinator overthinks it, maybe not to the degree that Kiffin did late last year, definitely not to the degree that Sarkeesian did in the national championship game. But Whoa. we just kind of have a tendency to start to move away from what works. We'll see something works, and then we don't... Not that we... It works, and then the other team makes an adjustment, and it no longer works. We just don't do it anymore. Like you just said, Damian Harris, six carries against Auburn. We had a play where, between Harris and Scarborough, we had a drive where the first drive after halftime, six plays, all run plays, we go score, take the lead. Um, You talk about LSU, and we were attacking the perimeter, and it worked for the first drive or two. And then we just never did it again. And we just were popping off. You know, we saw the jet sweep for the first time this year. But it was um, it was one of those freshman receivers getting 20 yards off of it. And then we swung it out to the flat, and we hit Harris in the flat, and he took it for another 25. And we never did it again. Yeah. And there's the thing, is they either move away from it or just not utilize it at all. And Here's the thing. It's, I think... not, it's, not, a, it's not an advantage if you don't make it an advantage. Right. I think now that we've had a month, I'm hoping that someone has looked at a statistic or looked at a piece of film that is going to re-energize, revamp, revitalize this offense. Where maybe it's a couple plays, a string of plays, or maybe it's it's uh, it's an area of the field that they've got to work. You know, I don't think there's any question in our mind, yours or mine, that Jalen Hurts has gotten better since the national championship last year. Would no, you argue that? No, I, absolutely he's better. He's more confident. So, he makes better throws, and, and you can just tell the offense has more of a, of a confidence and a moxie to it. So, I think as long as Alabama works the running backs and controls that line of scrimmage just a little bit, this is anybody's ball game. If that doesn't happen, I don't know how I feel about it. But let's move to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about Clemson's offense versus Alabama's defense. I'll let you take Alabama's defense. I want to sort of touch on Clemson's offense right quick. Well, the biggest thing, the biggest question mark, and really the biggest factor, in my opinion, going in is just, you know, how healthy is this defense? 
the defense was maybe just a hair, maybe just a step back from what last year's defense was early in the season. Early in the season, they were getting after the quarterback. They were still sacking people. The linebackers were playing great. Uh, even despite two early game, two injuries against FSU, they were just balling out. Um, we got a couple more injuries against Tennessee and LSU, especially LSU. And then after that, it, it, it looked like a different team out there because you just can't have that many. And it's been tough, right? Mississippi State was tough. Auburn was tough. Mercer didn't matter. Now, so Sean Deion Hamilton, done. Uh, uh, Moses, done. Uh, Hootie Jones is hurt. Do you know the latest on Hootie Jones? Will he play? Is he just kind of banked up? I haven't really. All, all I've heard is Hootie Jones is out. Expect He's out. Hootie okay. Jones to not play. So he will not play, which would mean that um, Thompson would be. Yes. We, we'll have, we'll have a, not our normal starter at strong safety. But we are getting um, Mac Wilson, probably the biggest addition back to the defense. Terrell Lewis, uh, super athletic. Don't really know what we have in him yet because we've only seen him full strength in one game. And Christian Miller, they're all back. Are they at yes. 100%? We don't know. I don't think they were against Auburn. So No, I don't, I don't think so either. And I think, I think they may have gotten rushed to get better. I, I don't know that for sure, but it just felt like that watching them out on the field. Now, are they 100%? No. I don't think... A- I don't think crazy. there's any stretch of the imagination, but you look, Dylan Moses gets hurt, what, the first week of practice after the Iron Bowl? It's, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, and at then that point? Thompson goes down, and it's really weird. I don't think he's 100% either. He got hurt in practice. He hurt his foot. Everybody acted like it was the end of the world. People said he was on the field for 10, 12 minutes while trainers were talking to him. And then the next day, there's no black jersey or anything, and he's fine. It, it just seems it just seems something's just off. Something is just off. Maybe they're just being overly cautious or something. But something's just not right. Things are not adding up there, uh, and it makes me a little bit nervous. Well, we but, have to have as many bodies, and there's it's, there's no do or die. There's no hey, you're going to sit out the Ole Miss game. We'll get you back next week. This is if if you're if you're able to run, you're able to make a play, you're able to do your job. You're playing. You're playing. You know you're we're playing. not. You know, we're not. This is no. Hey, you're sitting out back to backs for a little while of the NBA season, so we can get you ready for the playoffs. This is the playoffs. Uh, but, okay, so I was going to say, call me crazy. Um, I still have faith in our defense. I still think the defense can be the strength of this team. Sure. They haven't been the strength uh, in November, but Are I you're... think we'll get to this in a minute. But I think I, I, I'm not going to just discount our defense and start saying, "Oh, our defense is a liability." Now, I'm not buying it. I am not buying that our defense is a liability against any team no matter who you throw out there. Yeah. No, I, I think the defense is going to be the anchor of this game. I think the offense is going to come out, maybe be a little bit too riled up, a little too jittery. It's going to take them a couple of series to sort of get in a rhythm. As is and tradition. That's, that's as is tradition. And I think that's when the defense has got to step it up. I, I think if the defense can hold Clemson to 10, 13, even 14 points in the first half, that is a huge win. Um the main reason being, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Kelly Bryant is a great quarterback. I, I'm sorry. He's he's a good quarterback. He's not Deshaun Watson good. I don't think anyone's expecting him to be that. But the thing about him is, and the thing that makes him such a challenge, is he's not Deshaun Watson. He's a completely different guy. The way he plays the game. They have designed runs for Kelly Bryant. They never had designed runs for Deshaun Watson, or rarely if they did. It's a lot of read options. It's a lot of quick triple options. It's a lot of quick read option pass plays. There's so many moving parts in this offense with Kelly Bryant that if he's on his A game, he's tough to stop. And you look at the receivers. We don't even have to go over Renfro, although I know you want to. Etienne, I mean, all, all of those guys, all of those playmakers on offense, their offensive line has been giving great protection all year for Kelly Bryant. If he gets enough time in the pocket, it will be a very nasty day for Alabama. They've got to get in his mouth. They've got to make him uncomfortable, and they've got to have a spy. Whether it's Mac Wilson or Christian Miller or who else, it's got to be somebody who is willing to just watch him constantly. Every time he moves, you move. Your entire job is to make sure he doesn't get past you. If Alabama can shut down Kelly Bryant, this game's theirs, period period you saw Syracuse do it now granted he got hurt in the Syracuse game but the offense folded like a lawn chair no you're right you're right and I'm glad you said I'm glad you gave um you know I'm glad you gave a shout out to Kelly Bryant there and 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 spoke well of him because I think he is a great quarterback too um he's not a generational quarterback yet 
right? He's still young. He's, you know, Deshaun Watson wasn't a generational quarterback his first year, and then he tore his ACL. I'm not saying Kelly Bryant will ever live up to what Deshaun Watson was, but he definitely will if he wins this game. Um, and he might be a little bit better of a runner, a scrambler, um, when he's in open space. He can make people miss in open space. Etienne, the running back, true freshman, um, very disciplined runner, a strong runner. I'm not super scared of running backs against Alabama, but he is the kind of guy where if you're not disciplined, he's going to shake your tackle. And then, yeah, you, you, I'm only going to bring up receivers because, one, Deion Kane is very, very, very good, and we have to find a way to cover Hunter Renfro. It's been two years, and I'm so tired of watching that guy catch footballs. Yeah. yeah. Right, no, so I... who's got the advantage, the Clemson offense or the Alabama defense? I'm going to give it to the Alabama defense by a nose. My man. My man. By a nose. I, I really like it. There is nothing scarier in this world for a college football team than a pissed-off Alabama defense, period. If you do not believe me, you need to go watch the 2009 SEC championship game, which Tim Tebow has brought up multiple times, multiple times when he's been on ESPN. Do you know why? Not they just because it's a revenge game. Because he will never forget it as long as he lives. That night was a living hell for Tim Tebow. I think he still sees Javier Arenas jumping up and picking off that ball at the end zone when he goes to sleep at night. I'm sure he has nightmares about that pass. I'm sure he has nightmares about Courtney Upshaw running past him and smacking him in the chest so hard that he fell down for a sack. Didn't even tackle him. Just punched him. I. Mm. You want to talk about a pissed-off Alabama defense that wants revenge? You thought the 2009 SEC championship game was big? Against a team that had beaten them the year before when they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Brick, is this sounding familiar yet? It is. I, I think I think people are underestimating a little bit. This is still Ala freaking Bama. And I'm not I'm not trying to be a homer, I'm not trying to be like a fine bomb caller. But I, I am gonna kinda tee off on people right quick. I know Alabama lost the Iron Bowl. I watched it. It was painful as hell. I hated every minute of it. I know they looked like garbage. Here's the thing. They're still Alabama. There has been one team to make the playoff every single year, and it's Alabama. There's been one team to win four national championships in the past decade. It's Alabama. That doesn't just go away because of a loss or two losses. Two losses being Clemson last year and Auburn this year. That doesn't just go away. They still have that confidence, that moxie to just get it done. And, uh, oh, yeah, the guy that everybody's calling arguably the greatest coach in college football history, you know what side of the ball he coaches, Brick? Defense. defense. Almost exclusively defense. And people just sort of seem to forget that every time Alabama loses. And then if Alabama wins this game, do you know what people are going to be saying? Oh, be right we're not back. surprised. It's going to be right It's back. Alabama. It's, it's not surprising, of course. What did we think was going to happen? Well, all of you are saying right now that this is like a bottom five defense in the SEC. So just keep that in mind. I'm giving this to Alabama by a no. Sorry to just kind of tee off right there, but revenge games and a pissed off Alabama defense is not something you want to run into, especially not in December and January. No, I hear you, and I'm glad you said it. Um, I'm going to go over here. We got uh, we got the questions that we, when we do in-depth uh, previews like this one, we always ask the two questions. What does Clemson need to do to win? What does Alabama need to do to win? I think we made it pretty obvious what Clemson needs to do because we, we discussed the blueprint. Stop the pass, specifically Calvin Ridley. Don't let us break off any kind of long run so we don't feel like we can. Mm. Bottle up hurts, right? He'll get, his, he'll get his first down or two here and there with a nice shifty move. But, you know, attack him from the edges, force him inside, send Christian Wilkins after him, right? He'll be rattled once Christian Wilkins or Dexter Lawrence hit him on what he's trying to do is scramble. That'll shake him. I can guarantee it. Right? Just make us uncomfortable on third down. That's the ball game. That's the ball game. Our offense will keep getting off the field. J.K. Scott will boot at 60 yards, and it won't matter because our defense will keep getting more tired and more tired and more tired. This will be a fourth quarter game. Right? On defense, just find our weak spot and exploit it because our offense isn't helping us out any. Right? They're not helping us out, so... Two years ago was Deshaun Watson scrambling every single third down, getting it. And the last the last two years in a row, it's just no matter what, we couldn't cover Hunter Renfro. Dude has three, four touchdowns against us in two years. He's he's 5'9". He's Come on now. 
And, you know, who knows? Hootie Jones is out. Maybe this year it's the safety, and they'll hit us with Deion Kane. They're going to find their thing, and they're going to try to exploit it. Those are the really the two Clemson things, in my opinion. If that's if that's the case, Clemson wins this game, and, you know, it there we go. It won't be close. It won't be close. No, Alabama, I like what you put here. I like all of this, and I'm going to let you hit on most of it. The thing that I like the most is don't let Kelly Bryant – extend drives you said with his legs he does it with his arm too I mean this guy is there's two or three times in the ACC championship game where it was third and 10 third and 11 Kelly Bryant steps back to pass and throws a bullet over the middle for a first down I mean like like he's playing on Sundays so don't let Kelly Bryant make those types of plays like I said earlier make him uncomfortable get in his face mask have a spy have a plan as long as the defense comes in with a plan to stop Kelly Bryant, they're going to be fine. Clemson cannot depend on Alabama, or excuse me, Clemson cannot depend on their running backs and Alabama's run defense to win this game. Period. It won't happen. It will not end well for them. I've almost talked myself into changing my score prediction, by the way. <laughs> I know I you got, have. I got so heated on that defensive rant, I, I'm so close to just changing. Anyway. Uh, I haven't even put my score prediction yet. I still don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be you one said, of the spur of the moment ones. You said hit home runs this game. I agree with that. I think Alabama's got to make the big plays. That's an um, under. That is an underrated aspect of what our offense needs to have happen. It's yes. It's really the new norm in college football, though, right? Because and we've been very vocal about how our offense isn't what it was in 2011, 2012. I got news for you. I think if we kept trying to do that, I think Les Miles kept trying to do that. I don't think yeah. we would be a successful offense. No, I agree. I, I just think we need more of it is my thing. I just think there's not enough. And I, I agree with you. It can't be all that. But there's just not nearly enough of it. It's it's You can't sustain a football game playing the way that everybody else plays. The reason that Alabama's won four championships in seven years is because they play differently. They just keep a little bit of a touch of old school. Just a touch of it. And they've, you know, played teams with double, triple, quadruple the five-star talent on their team. That helps, too. Yes. Um, no, and, and they're, yeah, but, okay, so the difference between this year's Mississippi State game and this year's Auburn game, right, that we barely won one and lost another by 12, the difference in those games is the fact that we hit some home runs against Mississippi State. That was all Calvin Ridley. Mississippi State scored, Calvin Ridley did a shifty move, and he took it 70 yards twice. And that set us up with touchdowns that kept the game close. We could not get any of that against Auburn. Um, we had one old-school touchdown drive. I expect we'll have one of those against Clemson at least. But we're going to have to have some explosive plays. One, it just gives our offense confidence. It gives us all kinds of momentum. That's what teams build off of and, and, and eat off of. And, and, and I just think we have to be able to do it. The last two years we needed them against Clemson. It was all O.J. Howard or Derrick Henry's first touchdown run uh, against Clemson two years ago. Got to have some of those. Yes. When we're not getting those, we're just sitting still. And that's kind of what it felt like we were doing for the most part against Auburn. Just kind of running through molasses. It looked like an Anthony Grant coached Alabama basketball. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was that was quite the insult. Oh my goodness. Hey, Anthony Grant made the uh made the um made the tournament at least once. Alabama looks to be bound for the NIT again this year, but that's a rant for another podcast. Okay, well, well, hold on now, because did you know that uh, Prince Henry got engaged? <laughs> oh, I I'm sorry. I, I thought we were naming things that no one cares about. Right. No, Roasted. I got you. Roasted. Sorry. All right. Let's just let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's throw caution to the wind. Give me your score prediction this game. Oh, we're already getting to that. Give me that. I, I don't want the rest of this. Just give me this. All right, well, since you're making me do it. I'm making you do it. All right, I'm going to have a whole spiel leading up to it. I'm going to have like a Lee Corso-esque talk oh boy. before I get into it. This should be good. This is the um, this is the closest I'll have ever gotten on this podcast to predicting an Alabama loss, and I still might. I'm going to talk myself into it right here. But this is the closest. This is the hardest score prediction. I've had to make. I know what Clemson is. I know what they are. I know that they are at least a building, if not already established, powerhouse. Right? I said it. Preseason podcast. This is the year where we're going to learn a lot about Clemson. 
Can they do it without Deshaun Watson? Can Alabama do it without Mark Ingram and Julio Jones? Mm. They are on the cusp. They are on the cusp of that. They're here to stay if they win this game. I'm sorry to tell you, but they're getting the recruits. They've got the coach. They've got the location. They've got the conference. They're looking pretty good. At the same time, I think the best thing that could have happened for Alabama in these playoffs as a team is to sneak in as the four seed and be completely disrespected the entire way through. Right? We've had a month of disrespect. Here's the thing about the four playoff teams. Every single one of them, for at least one, every single team in the country, at least one time, other than UCF, has looked bad in a game. Alabama is just the last team to have done it. If Alabama had lost the uh, their game in week two, Alabama would be the number one seed runaway favorite for the national title. But since it was the last week of the regular season, they're garbage, and we'll just forget what Oklahoma looked like against Iowa State, and we'll forget what Clemson looked like against Syracuse. Alabama hears it. They know. Jalen Hurts' phone screen on his phone, his, his wallpaper right now is... Clemson celebrating the national championship game. There are posters up in the locker room of Clemson celebrating a national championship game, and this Alabama team feels disrespected. And that's a feeling I love. I love that feeling. I love it when our team goes in feeling that way. So, with all that said, I don't think that things are going to happen in this game. That I don't think that this is going to follow some script. I think there's going to be two big juggernauts slugging it out two very equal teams with all the emotion because this is, let's face it, now a rivalry between these two. We won't play each other every year, but for all intents and purposes, as long as these two coaches are on the sidelines and they're playing each other, this is now a rivalry. Alabama 28, Clemson 27. I read something today. The, uh, what is it? It, It's scoreline, one of the Vegas odds. One of those sites predicted a final score, final score between these two teams of Alabama 23, Clemson 16. Okay. That happened today. <laughs> I don't shock- know. I know it'll shock you. It wouldn't even shock me because nothing that can happen in this game will shock me. I don't know what they've watched in the past two years where they think there's going to be a, com- a combined 39 points. All right. I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I've got Alabama 37-35. And, God, I hope it's a game-winning field goal from Andy Pabinasty. I, I hope that's so bad. And at the same time, I don't think my heart could take it if he steps up to win Alabama the football game. I genuinely – I think I would not – I would turn off the TV and go to bed. And I'll find out in the morning what happened. Because I, I, I can't do that to myself. But I'm taking Alabama in this game – by a nose because (laughs) mainly because I've watched more of Alabama and I know how they are in games like this. You use the word disrespect. I will also use that word disrespect, but I'll also use the other word that everybody says and we beat like a dead horse revenge. It's such a revenge game. It's not even funny. This is as big as it could possibly get every single time. Alabama is in the playoffs or sniffing around a national championship. We say this is a make-or-break year for the dynasty, right? We said it last year at the national championship. This team will cement itself as the greatest defensive powerhouse in Alabama history if they win this game. And they lost, and no one will talk about them. No one will talk about them. Right? Two years ago. All right, yeah, it's it's a dynasty, but is it one of the all-time greats? We'll find out if they beat Clemson in the national championship, and they did. And now everybody's saying, yeah, it's one of the all-time greats. This is the game, and this is the playoffs, and perhaps next year if they make it again, could still redeem themselves or cement themselves further as is this the greatest ever. And I don't think Alabama wants that opportunity to slip through their fingers. I love giving Nick Saban and co. a month to prepare for any football game, especially one of this magnitude. I love that. So I'm going to take Alabama 37-35. I think it's ridiculous that someone predicted there would be 39 total points in this game. If Alabama needs to be in the 30s, 
37 points against that defense. I'm I'm liking how much we run the ball if that's the case. Holy yeah. cow. Maybe the defense will get a couple touchdowns. I I'd love Ooh. to see a Minka Fitzpatrick pick six. I'd oh, love talk to see dirty a kick return for a touchdown. I mean, talk dirty to me. Come on. All right. Hey, let's have a little bit of fun. That was too stressful. That's a lot of stress. <laughs> One of these days, you and I will predict a loss, but today is not that day. It is not that day. Uh, all right. The bowl season's been pretty weird. It, it hasn't been super exciting. So we're gonna we're gonna do our little uh, NCAA basketball thing here. We're gonna go with a new little segment that we'll call "One Shining Moment." All right. <laughs> Your one shining moment from this college football bowl season has been. It's gotta be today's Belk Bowl, right? Right. That's yours. I, I know what mine is. That's yours. That was a great game. That was a hell of a game. What was there like? 800 combined yards? I mean, no, no, was... no, no, no. Did you see the thread about the Bahamas Bowl? I did not. Okay, so I'll go into the Bahamas Bowl. Um, I'm a, I, I love going to the college football Reddit page, and, and somebody made a thread. I bet I could find it if I went far enough back, so I'm going to ramble while I search for that post. But it was the Bahamas Bowl. So, um, obviously, this isn't even really in the United States. It's out in the Bahamas. And that venue really had no clue what security needed to be like um it was how do i put it there's a big i don't remember the two teams that were playing but there was there's a big uh track around the field and fans were just kind of jumping down drunk into the track and walking and nobody stopped them and security was apparently laughing and <laughs> they had archery bow and arrow archery as one of the kids' activities just outside the field. And there are pictures of this to prove it. Shooting at targets, bow and arrow sharp ones, as a, as a child's um, yes, the UA- activity. Yeah. That was the UAB-Ohio game, where Thank UAB you. got smacked. Absolutely smacked in their first... But great to see UAB bounce back. Sorry to interject. Here it is. All right. Currently at the Bahamas Bowl. So this was a week ago. Uh, he brought beer right into the stadium. They didn't look and check at tickets. Uh, one of the people that let him in the stadium asked to take a sip of his beer. Um, <laughs> they just were kind of walking around and just somehow ended up in the Ohio locker room. <laughs> no questions asked. They just were there. Um, chugging beer on the sideline. People just chugging beer on the sideline. Brilliant. Uh <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. No, I love it. I did hear something about that um, because one of UAB's players was getting heckled and then took a selfie with a fan. Like in the middle – this is like in the middle of the third quarter, um, which is just brilliant. I did not hear about the archery thing. I'm not surprised by any of that because Here's a, here's a good Bahamas. one. Whoever's in charge of music can't decide the volume. He tried playing Believer and adjusted the volume up and down four times before giving up. There hasn't <laughs> been any music since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. No, my, my one shining – well, I've got a couple. They're all special teams, so I'm going to say special teams for these bowl games. The first one is actually pretty amazing. Uh, future employer, for those of you who don't know, we call Texas future employer on this podcast because that is a dream job of mine. The future employers uh, didn't play great against Missouri. They won the game. They didn't play great. Who who did play great though is Texas's punter, who was had eleven punts, nine of which were downed inside the what was it inside the fifteen, and then five of those were downed inside the five, which is ridiculous, and a great interesting way to win a football game against a very struggling Missouri team. <laughs> uh. Tom Herman was dancing on the sidelines, mocking Missouri's quarterback, which was hilarious. And the MVP of the game was a punter from Texas who is leaving early to go to the NFL draft. That might be the only time I've ever heard that sentence. A punter has declared for the NFL draft. Beautiful. That's perfect. Not quite as perfect as this moment. I'm sitting on the couch. NIU is playing who cares. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. They have the ball inside their own 10-yard line on 4th and 16, 
and they elected for a fake punt pass where their punter threw the ball, I don't know, maybe 10 yards on a fly route where the wide receiver honestly didn't really give much of an effort to come back to the ball and catch it at all. Kind of just threw his hands up and looked at the punter like, what the hell are you doing? And the punter just kind of put his hands up like, I don't really know. Let's not, let's not leave out that he was throwing this pass from his own end zone. From his own end zone. The shadow of his own goalpost. And with the confidence of, like, Brett Favre knowing that he's got Donald Driver on four steps on a fly route. Like, I mean, he he took a couple crow hops into this throw <laughs> and just didn't get it anywhere near where it needed to go. If you haven't seen the video, you need to look it up. It was brilliant. Uh, obviously, the Belk Bowl was awesome today. There were, like, like I said, there's like 800 total yards. I mean, it was awesome in the sense that if you don't like defense, it was awesome. If you like Milk defense. Bowl equals best bowl. You know, that's what it they was, tweet all the time. It was awful. It, it, greatest Twitter account for college football, period. Faux Pelini and the Belk Bowl have the two greatest Twitter accounts <laughs> in college top, football. Top tweet I've seen. That was a weird-looking basketball game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wake Forest football team today scored one less point than their basketball team did in a win this week. So just think about that. 55-52 uh, the final over Texas A&M. SEC not doing too hot in these bowls. Not not great. Now, Kentucky did lose theirs because they went for two instead of kicking an extra point in the Music City Bowl today. Uh, but honestly, the SEC is kind of dead to me. We'll get into that a little bit in the offseason. Uh Brick, right quick, just in case anyone missed out, we did our Georgia-Oklahoma preview a little bit last week. Kind of tell me, um, just give me a summary of what was discussed, what we talked about, and who we think is going to win. Well, I have, this is one, I might even have a harder time putting a finger on this game than I even do the Alabama-Clemson game. This is one that I'm really struggling with just getting a grasp on. I go one day, I go to sleep one night, and I'll think, hey, uh, Oklahoma, I think, is going to win this game. Their offense is, you know, just playing at another level right now. And then I might wake up going, yeah, but Clem- but Georgia just really, really showed me a lot in their comeback, uh, not comeback, but, uh, you know, return to form against Auburn. I keep going back and forth. So I don't even remember what I said a week ago because it's changed probably six or seven times since then. I generally lean defense in big games. Um, in the NFL, in basketball, in college football especially. I just kind of lean more defense by default. And so I'm going back to my Georgia prediction if I'm coming back to it from the previous podcast. And I, I feel Georgia winning in a in a, a very similar kind of score to what I said about Alabama. I feel a, a 35-31 kind of win, a 28-24, 28-27 I just think the defense is going to be able to stop them late in the game. Yeah, I uh, I took Oklahoma mainly for the Baker Mayfield factor. Um, now, Heisman Trophy winners traditionally have not been great in the playoffs. He said sarcastically. Uh, if you'll remember, <laughs> the last, what, two national champions were also the Heisman winners? Or Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson did not win the Heisman. Excuse me. I forgot. Lamar Jackson was definitely the best player of that college football season. Uh he said sarcastically, but that's a yeah. different story for a different day. Um, you know, so I think Baker Mayfield is going to light up the scoreboard quite a bit in this game. Um, now he has had the his, his little tummy's been hurt a little bit. Is that a bit of the stomach flu? I don't think that's going to deter him too much. They said if he needed to play right now, he could, uh, which means that they're definitely just getting him fluids and getting him hydrated back. Uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma by a score, by a touchdown in this one. I'd love to see Kirby Smart make it. I'd love to see an all-SEC national championship just because I think that would be the way that everybody moves to the eight-team playoff conversation. Uh, Now, whether or not that will ever happen, I don't know. But I think that would be an all-one-conference national championship would be the worst possible scenario for the playoff committee. Uh, Best possible scenario for me. uh, Yeah, me too. I think I think Alabama's got a great shot at winning the national championship if they play Georgia, period. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. That's why we love college football. Bricks, is there anything else you want to touch on, my man? Um, let's see. Anything else we want to touch on? How are you? Just like, you know, you always say that we never talk about ourselves enough. We just kind of get into these games. We talk I- about our holiday, but how are you as a person? I'm great, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready. My, my friends are starting to trickle back in a high point, which is good. I mean, they're my family here. They're my family. I've got two people that live two buildings away. Another, uh, My best friend here lives five minutes down the road. 
Uh, the lovely Jade Stoner gets back into town tomorrow, which is which is always great. She's been in St. Augustine, Florida. Missed her. Your neck of the woods a little bit. So you know it's 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 gonna it's everything's falling back into place. Uh, high point basketball is heating up in conference play. Gonna do a little bit more traveling here in the next couple weeks. You know, start start getting ready for uh, getting ready for the spring. You got lacrosse season around around the bend. You know, it's good. I'm good, man. I'm in a good place. How are you? How are you I doing? Just, just told my mom recently over the break that 2017 is the year where nothing good happened to me, <laughs> and she just got this. Not even concerned, but just kind of like, all right, elaborate kind of face on. And I went, well, Alabama lost the national championship. Kawhi Leonard got hurt in the playoffs, and the Spurs lost to the Warriors in four. <laughs> and they were robbed of a chance for a competitive series, at least. Uh, the, mm. the the Marlins uh, lost their um, pitcher to a boating accident, uh, had a terrible season, and then decided to trade their best player in franchise history for the second time in franchise history. Uh, Alabama lost the Iron Bowl. I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. I'm just not feeling it, you know. Leave it in the rear view, man. A little, little, little less rear view from you. A little more I'm dashboard. Kidding. No, that's all just sports. Uh, no, life outside of it is is a dream. Yeah. It's a dream. Um, You remember back in the day? You don't. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Back in the day, Alabama used to win six or seven games a season. We were excited. We were excited. We got to go to the uh, Liberty Bowl uh, and play – Play the good old folks down at Oklahoma State, and That's Joe Brody Croyle showed some real flashes late in the season. Joe Kynes was coach of that game because Mike Shula had decided to toodaloo, and no one knew who Alabama's coach was going to be. And that was a very, very dark period of time for Alabama football. And the next season, it's Nick Saban guy. Remember him from LSU? Of course you do. Decides to come on in, and we lose to ULM. So I say that a lot when people are like, oh, are you going to be upset when Alabama? No. Yeah, of course I'm going to be upset, but I'm not going to be distraught because we're not winning seven or eight games a season. Like, one of my best friends here, huge Virginia Tech fan. He's a graduate. He played in their drum line there. Their season just ended the other night, and if that was our season, I don't know if we would do a podcast episode. And I'm not <laughs> saying that they're bad. I'm yeah. just saying it was so – the loss – and the entire last half of the season for them was nothing to write home about at all. And I absolutely would not want to do an episode about it. Why? It's a whole lot easier to do a podcast when you're in the playoff every year. When you're in the playoffs every year. It's nice to see something good happen for the little guy like Alabama. That's all I'm saying. Hey, we don't have the number one recruiting class this year. That's going to be a, a major problem. Whatever. It'll be good. Honestly, it'll be good. We'll have less transfers and we'll be better for it in four or five years. Shut up, everybody. Shut up. We're This is still... Even if Alabama loses by 30 on Monday night, uh, you know, you, you know who's going to be in the top three next season, preseason? Clemson. Alabama. Well, yeah, obviously, but Alabama. Give me a break. Give me a all right, break. That's all I got for you. That's it. That's it. That's that's all we've got, people. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I would give a dog shelter uh, of the week this week, but we're not going to do that this week. This this is more focused on football. All the silliness aside, this is not a fun podcast. We're not here to have fun. All right, we're here to talk about college football, and that's it. All right. In all seriousness, everybody, enjoy your holiday. Be safe. Uh, Brick, you be safe. I know you'll be working, but just try and enjoy yourselves. People, just try and remember, if Alabama goes down by a lot or they lose the game, at least Joe Kynes isn't coaching us in the Liberty Bowl against Oklahoma State and we're losing by 50. Just keep that in mind for me, please. Just remember how far we've come. Thank you so much for listening. I wonder what he's up to these days. Joe Kynes? Yeah, I wonder why I Saban be- didn't retain him on the staff. Uh, I believe he retired directly oh, after okay. that. I believe that was his last game. He retired. Um, I think the last I heard, he was like, might have been coaching in high school or something, or he may just be enjoying retirement and playing golf. I know he enjoyed golf. Brick, if people yeah. want to reach us though on social media, how could they do that? 
You you were trying to just kind of wrap up the podcast, and I come back with you some just, dumb thought. You just completely <laughs> just train wrecked the ending. I had such a nice bow. You're wrapping I was it up, putting, putting a little this. bow on it, and I just stomped on your bow. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Let's just end it, Brick. And you're like, no, I want to know what. You know what? No, you've done this. While you tell them what social media platforms they can look at our stuff at, I'm going to look up what Joe Kynes is up to now. All right, if you want to find us on our social media sites that we rarely use, go to Pat's Interference with an apostrophe S on Facebook. Go to PI underscore podcast on Twitter. Pat'sInterference.com is where you can find us on the interweb. Uh, And if you're listening to us, which is where we've been most active this season, obviously you're listening to us via some kind of vehicle. But if you're interested in other ones, perhaps... You got the iTunes, leave us a review on there. We want the reviews and we want to hear your feedback, plus it just kind of helps us grow, move up the list of college football podcasts and the such. Um, Stitcher would be a good pick for Android as well as SoundCloud and Google Play. We're on all those as well. We're on a lot of things. Um, Insert some Norwood joke about some obscure way, Pony Express, you know, the works. Joe Kynes became the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M in the 08-09 season. They didn't do well, and he left. His birthday is July 13, 1944. He's 73 years old, currently living somewhere in Georgia. He was born in a train car. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, Golly. No, this is this is going to add to the podcast. Even oh, I can't wait. Absolutely no way people are still listening at this point. No, this is actually – okay, so there are two articles to check out as if you're an Alabama fan before this game. Um, the first one on the Players' Tribune, much like a lot of the articles that came out last year, but this one written by Mark Ingram. Um, mm. mm-hmm. Very good. It, it was it was very, very good. Um, in the same breath, in the same vein as the one Eddie Jackson and Jer- Jonathan Allen wrote last year about the team and just the game and how much it means. Um, that guy is Alabama through and through. But the other one uh, that I would definitely suggest reading is on Bleacher Report. And I hate that these stories end up getting picked up by Bleacher Report and not ESPN or Fox Sports. But um, very well-written article about Nick Saban and his relationship with his dad. A lot of people think Nick Saban is a, uh, is a, is a, is a joyless individual. Um, this really paints a different picture uh, that I really wish a major network would, would help paint about you know how close he was. His dad died of a heart attack when Nick Saban was 22, and it was completely unexpected. But he's always just wanted to be like his dad. His dad was, um, you know, always helping people in the community. Started a Pop Warner football team so his kids had something to do, and and then how Nick has taken his his relationship with his dad, taken it off the field at Alabama. And then you read it and you realize that Nick Saban is not just a joyless individual. He's just very guarded. He's very guarded. Um, but once he sees that you're a genuine person, you can tell that he's not the way that that he's been painted um, per se in the media. So those, those are the two I would recommend. I like it. Uh, great story I'm reading right now from a little newspaper you might have heard of, Brick, on Joe Kynes, called the Dothan Eagle. The Dothan Buzzard. Yeah. Uh, Ken Rogers talks about Joe Kynes. Apparently lost his daughter in 2010. It was their only child. His wife now has breast cancer, but it seems like they're doing all right. I think it's in remission. I didn't get to read the whole article, but now I'm going to do nothing but look up what Joe Kynes has been up to since 2009 because you've done this to me. I need a full right. report by the next podcast. Oh, you're, you're going to get watch it. The game you're going you're to get it. Nope. It's going to be uh, hashtag free Joe Kynes. How many more minutes can we extend this podcast with, with pointless rambling? I don't think we should. I think we should end it now because it's 1.30 in the morning my time. And we're approaching the the hour mark. All right. We got 60 seconds to wrap it up. Brick, thank you so much for all that you do. 2017 has been garbage for you, my friend. I suggest you leave it in the rearview mirror. You look towards 2018 and let's kick his ass. How's that sound? I feel like you said this last year. I did. And you you kind of we kind of did. I did. I did pretty well. I did all right. So 2018's your turn, right? I agree. You're going to nail it. I, I need you to say this before you have 30 seconds to say those words. 2013. 2013? 2013? 
My God, you're off to a rough be the start. Best year of my life, dude. 2013 gonna, wasn't bad. I'm gonna kill 2013. 2013 was the year we met. Think about it. No one. That'd have been 2012. All right. Thanks so much for Jesse listening. Jesse Williams is up to these days. <laughs> we can't thank you enough, and most of all, Brick. Roll tide. Roll tide.